All right, let's uh, let's uh, do this. Hi, I'm Michael, uh, Michael Morin. I'm the festival producer of Slamdance, and I am so happy to actually be moderating a panel. This is my first panel to moderate, and I couldn't think of a better one. I'm here with Jess Zeidman mm -hmm. and Daniel Casey. Hello. Um, today we're here to talk about, I guess, uh, screenwriting and how to survive being a screenwriter in today. Um, I, I really, I know for myself being a screenwriter, uh, there's so many things that I think most people don't realize that go into surviving on a daily basis and how to make a career out of it, especially if, I mean, we have both examples of if you have to be a writer-director or you are just looking to be a writer. Um, but uh, I wanted to start with you guys, if you guys wanted to start... Um, I know, Daniel, you want us to talk about your experience, because you started um, in 2007 here. Yes. And it's been a long journey for you as far as writing goes and stuff, and, and yeah. you've had some great successes. And I, well, I get to be like the salty dog, yeah. the old guy on the panel. But yeah, I, 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 uh, every, everything began here for me at, uh, at Slamdance. In, uh, in 2007, I had a film. We'd shot it for... I mean, maybe we got up to like a thousand bucks in actual, you know, we shot it, if anybody, you're, God, you're all so young. <laughs> but like, uh, if anybody here remembers the DVX 100s, the DVX 150s, oh. these were mini DV cameras and they were the first cameras that could, uh, you know, record at 24, 24 frames per second. Um, I shot a whole feature with, uh, with one of those in Detroit in uh, 2006 and played Slam Dance in 2007. And that was that was kind of the uh, the beginning of it. Um, I'll go into how I transitioned into writing. It's it's a, it's a depressing story, and I don't you know, uh, but also like a kind of a very cool story because everything has kind of gone very well for me since. You know, don't mean to start your first day out at the festival <laughs> like that, but you know we can we can get into it and uh, and yeah and, and 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 it's it's really good to be back. You know, um, I've had some stuff come out and uh, have some more stuff coming out, and it's just good to be here. Hope well, I can be helpful. That's great. And then Jess, your this is your first. Yeah, I'll take I, it away. I'll take it away. Take yeah. It away. So I'm here for the first time. I have a, a feature that I wrote and produced. It's called Tahara. It's screening on Saturday and Tuesday. Um, gotta plug it. Um, yeah, I uh, I wrote it as a undergraduate student at Northwestern University in Chicago. I was a film major there with a focus in screenwriting and a theater minor in playwriting. And I, I t actually took a class called Writing the Micro-Budget Feature. And here we are. <laughs> uh, I wrote it. Um, yeah, so I wrote that in 2016. And my professor, uh, a filmmaker by the name of Stephen Cohn, really uh, sort of told me, he was like, go with this, run with this, work on this. And that really gave me the confidence to just keep writing it, keep working on it. And then I took another class at the end of college called Editing the Feature-Length Script. Would you look at that? Um, and I was in that class, and another classmate, uh, one of my producers, Dasha, Dasha Gorin, was like, let's make this. And I was like, let's make this. And she was like, let's make this. So we sort of called in every single favor we could. Uh, and we it's a small movie. Uh, we shot it for 15 days. We shot the entire thing in my childhood synagogue. Uh, we moved everybody out to Rochester, New York, where I'm from, where I set the movie. And you know, I 
I went from being you know, a screenwriter, I, I didn't direct the movie, uh, a woman by the name of Olivia Peace did, um, I hope you'd see her around the fest, uh, she's incredible. Uh, she directed it and we really worked together as I worked on the rewrites as it was more of a question of like, okay, so this works as just a screenplay but this works as a production. And it was a constant renegotiation of what keeps, what keeps moving the story forward and what helps the movie get made. And that is something that I would have never thought about just as a student studying writing and craft. And that definitely was like a huge part of my education. And then on the producing side of it, that's a whole other thing. It's like learning like how to use a different hand, how to write. Oh my gosh, I phrased that in the craziest way. But it's like, it's a completely different skill set, but it also totally informs, you know, what I'm working on now. Like what, not only like what's makeable, makeable what's marketable, like all of that kind of stuff, but more like, uh, what kind of environment do you wanna have on a set? What kind of projects do you wanna see be made that you get to be a part of? So it was a really valuable experience and we got to make a really crazy, fun film out of it. That's fantastic. So uh, I guess the, uh, what I'm curious about, because we really, we talked beforehand and um, we wanted to kind of give some, pick your brains as far as practical uh, tools that we can use uh, as screenwriters. Uh, moving forward, because, you know, like a lot of people, I think, you know, they think, oh, I wrote a script. That's great. All right. Why, let's make it. That's it. That's all there is. Um, what like what kind of Dan, what kind of advice or Jess even would you have to somebody uh, that has a script and they think it's done and they're ready? They want to make it like what can what do they what do they need to prepare for what themselves like what, to, what is there to expect from that point forward? You know? <coughs> Well, you, you can kind of go down the uh, the rabbit hole of like rewriting, right. um, whether it's super indie or if it's um, if it's something that you've done for the studios. The one constant is uh, is that like rewriting and like <laughs> it's like painful rewriting sometimes because you know you're doing it at the behest of a director um, or or a producer. You know, this is it's just a, it's just a huge part of the process. You know, um, and there are. There are tricks to uh, to kind of dealing with this type of personality or that type of personality, but um, you know the uh, the broad strokes are that the producers are always going to try to be finding ways to sell it, you know, uh, to make the movie more commercial, you know, to make the movie bigger, uh, broader, right? Uh, and uh, with directors, each director um, is is kind of like their own unique dance. And, uh, and so it's kind of, you, you start to get into the specifics of like, who am I dealing with here? You know, I've, I've worked with um, uh, uh, James Ponsel, who is, is a fantastic uh, uh, director, and his process is all about uh, ex exploration. You know, so you meet up with James for, for script notes, and, uh, and he's kind of like, well, you know, I'm just, I'm generally not really feeling this like 35 page stretch here. You know, and you're kind of like, okay, what does that mean? And he's like, let's go for a walk. Let's talk about it. You know, <laughs> James is very like airy and he's very peaceful. He's like, a, he's like, you know, kind of a zen, cool guy. And then uh, I, on the other hand, I've, I've worked with, um, uh, uh, Dan Trachtenberg, um, uh, Justin Lin, and these are guys who tend to be more uh, very, very specific, you know. And they'll go in and you know, you'll get page 18 marked up with, you know, 15 different red marker things, and he wants apostrophes gone and, you know, things like that. And, you know, that, that's where the personality of, of your director really comes into play, you know. So rewrites are key. They're just kind of like a fact of life. And um, as much as I like to think that when I 
finish something that it's that it's perfect usually the process turns it into something else entirely and yeah yeah what is, what's yeah. your experience um uh, i think if i'm gonna go back i'm gonna say so you have this great script right and you're super jazzed and you're ready to go what i would do is the thing that i know as a writer you never want to do you got to show it to a ton of people you got to show it to people as a script to a ton of people you're going to not want to do that you have to yeah because it's going to be like that from the minute it's done to the minute it's made to the minute it's edited. It's going to be a constant excavation of yourself and your thoughts as an artist. So start at the level where it's on the page. When it's in a final press doc and you can just edit it when someone gives you a note and you're not you know, on set or in the editing room and you're like, I can't fix that line at this point. So way back, you finish the script, you feel great, show it to the people whose art you love, to people who make things that are similar to what you wanna make or make things that you would never even think to make. And any sort of, like if you have mentors, if you have professors, if you have a writing group, any sort of people who can give you a critical read on it, that is like invaluable. So like when I finished our, my script, my script at the end of college, I sent it to like all of my professors and a ton of my peers Oh my god, I'm popping these peas like crazy. Uh, um, to to see what they thought. If they thought, should I really make this? Is this the project to go all in on? Is this something? And it was an incredible gift to hear yes from so many people. That doesn't always happen. Uh, I know it doesn't because I've had other shorts that I want to make. The people were like, no, I've seen that. No, I don't. I don't care for that. So I think when it's still, you know, on your computer, glowing at you send it out, it's vulnerable, it sucks, ask people for their time, thank them for their time, and, and take that feedback as you will. I mean, don't change every single line because someone tells you to, but really think about that. And then from there, it's a question of more vulnerability, right? It's a question of, can I ask people who would maybe throw some money my way? Can I ask some people for their labor, for their effort, for their time and their creative you know, juices to get to the next step. You know, I've only made this independent film. I haven't worked with a studio or uh, anything like that. So that was a lot of just asking people, like, if you believe in this story, what can you bring to it? And what can we get to that this will be a valuable experience for you? And that, I feel like, is the constant negotiation of independent filmmaking, right? When you don't have a huge budget, you can't be like, it's fine, I'm gonna pay you a ton, it's gonna be awesome, rock on. You're like, okay, it's your time, it's your energy, it's gonna be kind of like a scrappy, put together thing, but when you feel really solid about the script, that takes a lot of the vulnerability out of it, because you know that people wanna be there because they wanna tell that story. That's great, you know, you use yeah. the word vulnerability, and I, uh, it really, I know for me as a writer, um, that's one of the things that I found is always hardest is like how do you guys both deal with when you take in those notes and they're devastating and but you know because I know I've experienced where they've come in and they're devastating for two days and then day three a miracle happens mm -hmm. you know but like how do you cope with that because I know a lot of people can get discouraged really quickly the more they pass things out because of notes, and how do you translate those things that feel devastating into like positives in your writing? You wanna go first? I can go first. Yeah. Um, so I think 
getting a devastating note is just something that you gotta learn how to just get through because they will come and they will keep coming. And sometimes it's gonna be stuff that you will even hear after the movie is made. I had a call the other day and someone was like, can you reshoot the ending of the movie? And I was like, no, we don't have any more money and we're not going back to Rochester. Like I'll go back to Rochester to see my family, but I can't bring the whole crew back unless they wanted to. Um, but no, we're not gonna reshoot the end of the movie at this point. Um, but it's one of those it's one of those things when someone really lays in to something that you are really passionate about where you have to realize that there might be something there to fix or adjust. I think especially I studied playwriting primarily in college and that really informs like how I approach writing in general. Uh, what you can't see is what is confusing to the person viewing your art. Like when you're a screenwriter, a playwright, you're, you're writing art to be watched as performance. So when things are confusing on the page, they will be way more confusing when someone's acting it out. It'll be like, the disconnect can be huge. So if somebody's giving you a really harsh note, you take it, it doesn't mean you're a terrible person, doesn't mean you're a terrible writer, it means that there might be something that is just not coming across. So you need to ask yourself, what was I going for in that moment and why isn't it clear? There's, there's also like, just, you know, as, as writers, because it's like, and, and you said something like this, you know, with, with, with the last question, like, when do you know to kind of like push back against right. a, a director or, or a producer, you know? And um, uh, to, to a certain extent, kind of kicking around the Hollywood system, it, you know, the, it's, it, it tends to be fairly straightforward, like do the note or, you know, they'll find somebody else. But like, there, there are ways to kind of like, you know, finesse that in, in that um, uh, my manager has an expression when he's talking about producer notes or director notes. And he's like, you want to find the note behind the note, mm -hmm. which is which is to say that, like, somebody can throw you this idea that they have for their script. You know, like, I, I you know, I, I want to set it in outer space. You know what I mean? Or, you know, whatever it is, it, or, or it can be it can be a much, you know, kind of a smaller note. Like, I just think that this person, this person should uh, say the subtext here, or something like that. And in, in, in your in your head, you're going, oh no, you you know, you can't you can't use this line. It'll just make it obvious. It'll make it corny. You know, um, and and the whole idea of the note behind the note is just like, tr don't necessarily do what they're always telling you to do. Try to figure out what's bothering them. You know what I mean? And then. Um, and then nine times out of 10, if you can kind of translate that into your speak, your voice, you know, whatever it is that, you know, you're tr the, the middle ground between what you're trying to do and what you think that they aren't getting enough of, you know, whatever the note behind the note is, just kind of attack it that way. So you're not always necessarily handing them back the exact solves that they're asking for, you're handing them your version of what you would do to fix what's bothering them, if that makes, you know, if, I, if I'm making sense, no. you know. And then the other thing that I've found is like super helpful. I don't know if this has worked for you, but like um, my my wife gave me the book on love language many many years ago, and you know it's not only helped like our relationship and everything like that, but I, I hand to God um, using love language when you're working with producers or with directors. You know I feel I believe that you know what I mean. Just language that's across the board more empathetic and not necessarily combative. It goes so far. Um, because when you get on film sets, it's like, 
as a writer, you're dealing with people who are like, you know, they've been up until three in the morning and they're angry and they just want it to fucking work. Just make it fucking work. You know, and so like if you're always that person who's able to be like, well, I, I totally agree with you and I'm thinking maybe we could try something like this. You know, you just you wind up with a very kind of like a sympathetic approach and you can pull people in, kind of hug them instead of, you know, fighting with them. Yeah. We were big on astrology on our set. Astrology. Really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just knowing people's signs. I'm a Libra. My director's a Capricorn. My other <laughs> producers, one's a Gemini. I think they're both Geminis. Uh, we should look into that. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, being able to talk about your script within the process of, it, process of it being made on set is like a huge asset that I don't think you think about as a writer. Yeah. But when people are like, fuck this, this scene is six pages long, something I am guilty of, um, <laughs> it moves fast. But people don't want to believe that. They see the page count for the day and they're going to lose their minds because mm -hmm. they think we're never going to leave the synagogue and we're going to live here forever. <laughs> so what you have to, one, tell them is that it's going to move fast and two, assure them that if it's going way too slow that we can find a compromise, we can make a change. And, I, and also remind them, it was because I was a producer and a writer, I sort of got to like wear both hats so I could sort of like kind of be devil's advocate against myself. And I was like, we can change it, but also remember that like I'm an artist and like kind of like go, go yeah. back and forth, um, be nice to me, but also I get it. Um, and so it becomes one of those things where learning to talk about your script when it's being made is a skill that you can start working on even if you don't know when something's gonna be made. It's just, again, going back to what I said before, a vulnerability in knowing that it ultimately becomes like a labor of so many people mm -hmm. and you have to just constantly recognize that and know that it's to service the story you're telling. So it's like they want to be there, but they also want to work. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I think you bring up a good point because I think as a writer, sometimes we forget that even the writing process is a collaborative art. Like yeah. even though we're sitting yeah. alone doing it, like you still have to, for that, it's like one of the only things you can do is like a script that you're writing. It's the only writing that nobody will ever see unless it gets made. Mm -hmm. And so like you have to like, Everything you're saying is just, you know, I think uh, a lot of writers get lost in, in thinking that it's all them, it's just them, but it's, it's years of having to work with other people to get it to, for people to see. Um, I, I was curious, because I know there's probably some people in this room that are sitting here and they have scripts, um, but that's it. They've got some great scripts. Like, what would your advice be for them, like, practically uh, to what's the next step like I know like getting representation like do they need to find a director like what it, what are what would you suggest to them first the I'll next steps okay yeah I um uh, and and we're gonna we're gonna open it up for questions yeah. later so like anything that's kind of vague here you know you guys can lay into later um, <clears throat> I uh, so I played slam dance in 2007 uh, about a year later, um, I had represent representation. So when I played here, I didn't have reps. About a, a year later, I did. And um, basically, what I'll do is uh, the secret that I found, and it, it, it's 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 weird because it feels like such an amorphous process. Mm -hmm. This idea of like, how do you find agents, or how do you find managers, and should I send rec letters? And like anybody who has those questions, you know, definitely ask. I'll tell you what happened for me um, while I was here at the Slam Dance 
Film Festival in 07, uh, you could still hand out uh, flyers up and down Main Street, Park City, and uh, and and there was a lot of poster hanging and, and stuff like that. And uh, I brought a guy in who, he, like, he claimed to be wealthy. Like years later, I'm I'm even doubting that. But like, <laughs> this guy, this guy basically, the, the trade was because I had shot my movie for so little. I didn't have any executive producers, so I was like, oh, I'll give you an executive producer credit. Get me, you know, my Digibeta Master that I'll need to bring to Park City at the time posters, you know, things like that. And um, this guy gave me like a couple thousand bucks to do that and then proceeded to become the worst nightmare version of an executive producer that you can imagine. Like whiskey swilling, just like weird drug, and like, you know, just all kinds of like, he became like a situation that was just ongoing. And uh, what I managed to do is, um, is I, I managed to find, an, and this is, this is where representation kind of came in, I managed to find an entertainment lawyer uh, who was willing to just kind of pry this, this scumbag off of me and off of the film. Uh, yeah, and, um, and, and to, despite what you might think, entertainment lawyers will take your calls, they'll take your emails. Um, it's not like writing an agent or an agency cold. And um, I don't want to give her name out, but she, she was kind of like a guardian angel for a long time. And um, uh, the thing that I didn't even think about was that all, mo if especially, actually I should give you guys a location, so this is weird, <laughs> but bear with me. If you are able to get yourself an entertainment lawyer that works in Los Angeles, somewhere in the area of Century City or Beverly Hills, right, that entertainment lawyer will know talent agents and will know managers. And so if you can get yourself into a situation where you have a crazy you know, executive producer, but moreover, like if you have a short or if you have a script and somebody wants to edit, you know, somebody wants to option your script or somebody wants to distribute your short or something like that, um, all of this is gonna require paperwork and you can find lawyers out there by calling them and in some cases, if you can endear yourself to this person, and that's that's what wound up happening. Um, I got to like Shelley a lot, and she liked me. Um, she began showing my movie, my slam dance movie, to managers and agents, and that's kind of how it all took off. So it's weird. It's like any kind of any kind of like step forward that you that you take, it tends to be through you know like strange, weird lanes. But um, but there are ways to do it, you know. And uh, you might even meet that person here in uh, in Park City. Totally. And on the other side, I do not have representation. <laughs> Anyone's looking. Um, <laughs> um, but what I did is I just relied on my community of filmmakers that I knew from school and who they knew and other people who would be interested in working on the project. And we did it really indie style. And I think right now so many people want to make art in so many different forms. So it really is just like being willing to tell people, like I have this script and I want to make it. I have this script and I'm looking for people to do, you know, everything on it and just talking to people. I think it's sometimes scary to like make that jump. You know, you don't want to sound like just another person with just another script. But if you have that passion, if you have that drive to make it, obviously there's a ton of work of like financing and lawyers, you're going to need lawyers. Uh, and you know so much paperwork and so much time and so much energy but i think where it really starts practically is just telling people like would you help me on this journey would you be part of this with me and being willing to talk about it uh being honest with what you're going to do with it you know i knew i wasn't going to make this for a ton of money i knew we were going to make this in a scrappy kind of crazy way but uh just continuing on that path and finding where your boundaries are and understanding where other people's are and just 
a lot of it's a lot of asking a lot mm -hmm. of and it doesn't all have to be favors like I think people are obsessed with favors but like I believe in paying people I believe in expressing gratitude for any sort of favor or you know some a job well done or whatever but there has to be it's a business in a way not to be like it's a business but like it's a business uh, and it it requires a ton of energy and time and you're creating like creative partnerships with people so just you know, tell people about what you're passionate about and what you're working on, and that is a really great place to start. Awesome. I mean, I, I was could, just could saying. Can I add I, one more thing? Yeah, to that? absolutely. Um, it, it, and it's only because Jess is Jess is in the perfect place, life-wise. She there are so many young faces here as well. The one thing that I would say it's just kind of a warning about when you seek out representation, don't do it too early. Do what do what Jess did, and 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 make your make the thing that is close you know, to your heart and the thing that's raw and get that out in the world. Find a slam dance or some other festival for the equivalent. Because I'll, I'll tell you the thing that happened to me is that as soon as I did get representation, everything became much more business-like. You don't want to be 24 and have a fantastic voice and a fantastic script getting your script kind of sucked away from you and turned into some kind of weird homogenized kind of super marketable thing that no longer speaks to you. You want to make sure, you know, that when you go down that path, if you choose to go down that path, that you're doing it at the moment that's right for you as well. So that's something else to kind of keep in mind. It's interesting you just said that because what I was thinking of in my, uh, with you said marketable, is um, I know some of the obstacles that I've come up against with writing is having great a great voice but they're like well we want it to be a little more mainstream and like actually you know trying like picking what you should focus your time on because you, we all have a limited amount of time in this world and like as a writer uh, I know you have to invest so much of yourself into an idea and like especially with you you've done Fast and the Furious but then some uh, stuff that is way more independent 10 Cloverfield Lane mm -hmm. it's like where because um, I'm sure there's some writers out there that are like I don't know if I should write something that's true to my heart or should I try and write something that's marketable like what is what would your uh, advice be in that realm is uh, it's 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 tricky and and yeah. um <clears throat> yeah I, I i would say that uh some things you do intentionally and some things just kind of happen to you because life happens you know like uh i uh with 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 10 cloverfield lane that was specifically a a, a case where i I'd, I'd kind of just been kicking around hollywood um, you know, tr trying to do stuff that was more indie for quite a while. I was a, I'm like a big Elmore Leonard, George Pelicanos, James Elroy fan. I like crime stuff, you know, and uh, and so I'd kind of been living in a world where I was pushing those scripts around town, uh, m type things like that, and uh, and Ten Cloverfield Lane came along, and it was it was just a chance to kind of come in. It was a rewrite job, um, I should say. I was I was the third writer on board that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, it, and it was, um, you know, it was, it was, it was for, it was for a big company. It was for JJ Abrams and it was a chance to get in with producers. And I was like, yeah, right on, you know, and then, uh, 10 Cloverfield wound up being like two years of my life cause I stayed on through production. And, and so it wound up being this really, really great thing, you know? So you never really know when the, 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 the kind of the op a nice opportunity is going to come along. So it, as much given how much bandwidth you have, you know, take, take anything, you know, just make sure that if you are a weird James Elroy, 
Elmore Leonard, George Pelicanos, <laughs> you know, guy, that you're taking time out to keep doing that, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, um, I, I mean, I've only made this one movie, yeah. uh, but I, in my other lives, <laughs> uh, I, I'm a comedian and I like to write satire and I like to write plays. And I think the big thing is just making sure that you're always writing down ideas that come to you. I think that's like so helpful. And I also like that's the most obvious advice, but I think it is really helpful. And I think another big part is just not being too hard on yourself. I think that is like mm. the hardest part about being a writer. I mean, I think a lot of that self-criticism is, you know, part of the lens with with which you view the world, right? And that's what makes you unique in your voice and your perspective. But when you really are like laying into yourself, that's not gonna help your writing. Like that's not gonna get you anywhere. So focus on writing the stuff that brings you joy, that makes you feel good about yourself and who you're becoming and your voice is always growing, you're always changing. And the other thing I would say is read a lot. Read a ton, read everything. Read magazines, uh, front page to back cover, read newspapers, read plays, go see theater, go see movies of all kinds. Like I just think that's the best way to feel inspired and that's a good way to help you focus on what you want to make next or currently work on or change what you're doing. So true. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, kind of keeping in the same lane, um, I know a lot of people that want to be writers or trying to be writers, like a big part of being a writer is time management. Um, and you know, I, I was just curious if you guys had any advice or suggestions on what uh, an aspiring writer can do to help balance, you know, the putting that time into being a writer and also surviving in the everyday world, you know? And it's like, what are, were there any tools that helped keep you on track to write a lot? You should totally go. I'll go for yeah. it, I'll go yeah. for it. Five pages a day, it's horrible, <laughs> mm -hmm. five pages a day. Let's chant. No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Five pages every day. You're going to get rid of so many of those pages. They're not going to mean anything to you at some point. Five pages every day. It sounds both small and gigantic. It's, it's what I did to make this movie. Five pages every single day. And then once you feel like, OK, we got it to the, I write short, too. Like the script, the one that we shot was 88 pages, which for a feature is like little. Yeah. But uh, I, at one point, you know, we were up to, I was up to, you know, like 125 and then off they, you know, off they went. But when you write five pages a day, if you're trying to write something a little bit longer, that is like, that's what saved my life. That's what, why this movie exists because I had a professor who was like, you just have to do it. You have to write five pages every single day, weekends too, the whole time. Great. Yeah, so true. Yeah, the five page rule. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I the the and it, it's be, it's been a while since I've had to hold down um, a day job, but the, that was the thing that I do remember is that I I mostly just worked in movie theaters, so I would tear tickets and you know uh, serve your popcorn and things like that. <laughs> was I just yeah? I, I mean, you want a job was, here because we have some spots. Yeah, if anybody <laughs> wants, yeah. Uh, but the uh, but uh, yeah, you know, like I, I I do. I just remember that, that while you're on something else, you know, especially if it's just kind of like a nine to five, you know. You're, you're going through the motions of it. Um, I was storing away ideas all
all day. Right. And I, I would get to a point of like weird partial memorization, and I'd just explode out of the theater. I, I worked at the Sunset Five, oh, wow. uh, and, and I would just explode out of the theater. I, I lived in a garage behind the Guitar Center, <laughs> and I would just like race home, and I was smoking the whole way, and I'd be like, yeah, and then you'd come home, and you just yeah. barf it all out. But yeah, you know, you, I, I'd hit four to five pages yeah. every single day, and that's, that's a really healthy regimen. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, earlier I wanted—I kind of wanted to track back to something you guys were talking about earlier. As far as you said, you know, share is with as many people as possible. Mm. Um, and you know, you talked about navigating uh, how to deal with uh, you know criticism from producers and stuff like that. Um, I guess my question would be is like, uh, how do you cope with and deal with like you know prioritizing whose whose advice matters and whose doesn't and what's important and what to listen for when you're getting advice about your writing or notes or something like that, if there was any. I, you know, personally, I, I, I always try to stay closest to the director. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and there are, there are writers who stay closer to producers. Right. It, uh, it, 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 it really is a question of, of what your personality is like. I think that the, the writers who are close to lots of producers and, and, and are kind of always leaning into what the producer definitely wants. These are the guys who have very long, successful careers. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And, and, the writers, and the writers who side with bleeding heart directors tend to get in trouble and tend to get their wrists slapped a little bit. Uh, but again, you know, it's all about love language. You know, if, if somebody comes at you and they really want something done, it's a good idea to do it, and as long as uh, as long as you're pulling them in for a hug, you know, <laughs> so to speak, uh, um, you know, nobody ever really gets that mad at you, you know. Um, but yeah, that's that's the way I lean. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I had the unique position where I was the main producer and the writer, so I was like siding with myself or siding with Olivia, who's our director. But no, I was usually I, I'm one of the stay close to the director types for sure, for sure. Um, I think when it comes to like the criticism you might be hearing, the notes you keep getting, anything like that, I would I do a system of like asking a ton of people for a ton of notes, writing all those notes out out on a Google Doc or whatever, and then seeing where the repeated notes are happening, seeing what people are really picking up on, and focusing on those areas first as like the sticky areas, and then going from there. Like, what is the note behind the note? What is what is it that I can do? And know that uh, your script, ultimately, you're never going to please everybody. Classic. You're never going to please everybody. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's just not. Um, but you need to make sure that you feel good about it. Because it's such an intense process, having something go be developed on any level, that you just need to make sure that you're not betraying your own trust for the idea that you're gonna make other people happy. Big sort of therapy meets art meets everything, you know? You're not gonna make other people happy. You gotta really, it comes from within. I mean, yeah, that's great. I, I, what time are we at? I just wanna see, because I feel like uh, we have a pretty full room. Maybe you guys, would you guys be interested in doing some uh, question and answers? Yeah, sure. Okay, great. Um, you in the back? Did you have a with Death of Michael Smith, yeah. uh, you got you won a film festival. Yes. Trinity film festival in Detroit. That's uh, right. Are you from and, Trinity? Uh, yeah, Rocky, Janae, and Marcel here. Oh, Mar yeah, yeah. okay. Hi, guys. <laughs> so, um, but anyone that ain't seen Death of Michael Smith is really good. But a question to you is that um, seeing you as a director, are you going to direct too? Because you did a you know, phenomenal job with that. And that was early in your career. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd like to. Uh, I mean, honestly, um, what happened after Slam Dance in 2007 was the big 2008 writer strike. And so um, I, uh, not, not to spend too long on this, but um, sp specifically Michigan had a tax incentive at the time. And I, I had another script that I was trying to get off the ground there and, and um, just wound up going back and forth between LA and Michigan and trying to find investors. And uh, it just never came together. So it was, it was kind of like a weird thing to be a, a writer director who just kind of totally face planted. That was a, that was a Sundance Lab script too. You know, So I'd, I'd gone up to the mountain and I'd done that whole thing. And, and, uh, and yeah, and so like, it was kind of like a weird, weird time, you know, um, but then, uh, and this, this probably helps for everybody, you know, the only, th the only real mistake that you can make as a writer is if when you're met with a kind of a, a really bad situation or, or, or a face plant or a failure, um, the mistake that I made uh, with, with that project that I tried to get going right after Death of Michael Smith was, um, I held on to that script for years and I kind of treated it like, you know, like the body of Christ, you know, like the mm -hmm. Eucharist or whatever. And, um, and uh, nothing against Catholics, I'm Catholic. But like <laughs> the, um, but the thing is, is, you know, I just, I, I, didn't, uh, I, didn't, I didn't put anything else above it. And, and I refused to move on from the idea that I was going to follow my slam dance movie with another independent film that would then take me wherever I expected to go at the time. And um, the best thing that I did was write another script after that, and another script after that, and another script after that. Um, but, but for a while, um, while I was holding still, insisting on making just that one thing, that was actually where I hurt myself the most, you know? If you write something, and it doesn't get the traction that you want, or it doesn't go where you want it to go, um, you know, have a couple nights out, drink a bunch of scotch, like that executive producer I was telling you guys about. <laughs> but like, it, moreover, it's just like process your guilt and move on as quickly and in, 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 as, in as healthy of a way possible to the next thing. And that's actually kind of, that's the, it's the only advice that I would ever give anybody is just get back up and, you know, and uh, try try the uh, God. That sounds so corny. I sound so corny. <laughs> no, but it, it's but true. like, yeah, you know, it, the worst thing that you can do is just you know, die with a project, you know, always write something new. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel, I feel like a lot of people get these expectations in their head of where they see they're going to be after this. Or, yeah. I wrote this, everybody loves it. This is the future, it's going to happen. And you can get trapped in that thought yeah. process and it, it can stop you from moving forward. And Yeah. yeah. Um, anybody? Uh, right. Yeah. Jess, this is for you. Awesome. Hi, my name's Morgan. Hi. Um, I guess I'm kind of like you in that I um, do a lot of different kinds of writing. Yeah. Um, some stand-up, uh, a lot of drama, uh, but also uh, some plays. Um, so when, and maybe maybe just for Tahara or yeah. um, any of your other past uh, screenplays that you've worked on, but um, do all your other uh, endeavors just kind of disappear while you do that, or do you yeah totally that's a great question um so this script has definitely became my main focus but i sort of gave myself a deadline so i graduated from college in 2018 and then i uh and that was in chicago and then i moved uh to brooklyn and i really wanted to see what it would be like to like do stand-up and like explore the brooklyn indie comedy scene uh which was super fun and i met a great a ton of great people including one of our main actors which was super great um but I gave myself a deadline, which was like 
by the first of March, I had to focus completely on this movie because we were making it in May. Um, but I think it's a good way to keep your brain going by doing other little bits of writing. I think don't put pressure on yourself to do like, I think script after script after is good, but like script on script, on stand up, on play, on piece, on this, like you'll drive yourself a little like wild. So what, in, what I would do instead is just like take it day by day. What do you want to work on that day? What is your focus that day? And then make deadlines for yourself. Don't beat yourself up if you don't meet them. But like create a schedule and a process and a craft, uh, a practice of a craft that like really speaks to what you're feeling, because that'll be how you make the best stuff. Thank you. Um, I'm going to take you in the yellow, but I'm going to repeat the question so our listeners on the oh, sure. podcast know what they yes, asked. Yes. So. Do you really want to fight for something with all the different entities? And how do you do that? Um, it depends on how close you are to the to the people that you're working with. Um, once once the love language kind of stops working, you know, um, then I think that uh, as a writer in features, um, you have to be prepared to kind of you know draw a line. If if you draw a hard line in the sand, if you're in features, it is possible that you could exit the project, you know? Like, that's that's kind of the thing. In, in TV, you get a lot more power because the writers kind of run the whole show, you know? But, uh, but yeah, in features, um, it really just depends. You know, theoretically, or, or, what I try to do is uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure that in going into the process of shooting or developing a script, that everybody's kind of on the same page. You know, you can kind of, like, you can, you can get a sense of people going in, you know? And so... If something isn't going to work out, usually the symptoms are there very early on. You know, a colla a, somebody who should be your collaborator isn't really your type of person, you know what I mean? Or, you know, like uh, you always go back to the cheesy thing, like they want to set it in outer space, <laughs> you know what I mean? These are the types of things that tend to come out first. And so if it's not working, usually I've found that I can kind of like gently step off like early on, like, oh, I just think we have a different vision for this, you know, or, you know, whatever, you know, flowery language you need, you know. But yeah, it's just um, make sure that you're comfortable at the very beginning, you know, and then uh, and then usually you can you can avoid massive hangups down the line. All right, thanks. Yeah, totally. How, how you got financing for your film, Tahara. Totally. So I self-financed it. Um, I had money that was supposed to go to grad school that I decided to spend on this. And so yeah. I'm not going to grad school. Sorry, mom and dad. Um, and that was a decision I made because we uh, wanted to pay everybody. We didn't want to have like a ton. We just needed that you know bulk of money. So that really put me in a position where I really was the producer. Like I was really making the decisions. But I'm I know I'm very lucky in that regard. Um, but we did try to get more money and talk to a lot of people. And that was a process of just asking people who know more people. Um, and we no one no one took us on, um, which definitely hurt. Uh, people were like close, maybe no. And that went up. You know up until like two weeks before we started uh, production. We like thought, you know, maybe someone will get on this with us and we'll have a little more room. Uh, but we didn't have any more room. So we ran a really tight ship, uh, you know, 
we didn't have anything that was like, like I was the producer, I also wrote it, I was our locations manager, I catered set, crazy. Uh -huh. We had to eat kosher the whole time because we <laughs> shot it in a synagogue. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, uh, I, we drove everybody in like my parents' cars that I begged them to borrow. Everyone stayed in my childhood home. Like we did everything we could to stretch the money where we could. And there were a lot of times where it wasn't enough. And then, you know, we altered scenes to make them easier, make stuff less expensive. But I think at the forefront of it, it's like a really tough, tough game. And I think something that when I make the next thing, I'm definitely, I mean, I don't have any more money to make or, I mean, hopefully this might be made, but I don't have any more money to spend. So it'll be a, a different process, but yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot and pitching people is intense, uh, especially when it's just, you know, the germ of the idea. <laughs> Could I ask a question? Yeah, of course. How much did you find yourself uh, um, adjusting the script per logistical and budgetary constraints that you came across? A ton. Uh, we, uh, where w the synagogue where we filmed uh, was under construction while we were filming. Oh, wow. uh, we shot for 15 days, and there was construction 15 days. Uh, so not only did we change the schedule, but things had to move. Locations had to change. Vibes had to shift. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a huge, huge part of the process. And money was a huge factor, even in the rewrites going up to the first week of filming. Uh, we just, some money didn't come through. Characters were cut or cut down because of actors' schedules and because, you know, SAG. So it's like, you can only have people there when you can have them. And even though, even though we were ultra low budget, like, you have to make those changes if you want to see it being made. But I can tell you, uh, when you all come see it, which you will, uh, <laughs> I hope, um, it it's still the same movie. The core of it has never changed from the first draft to the final draft to the draft that, you're, that we shot that is up on the screen. It's the same story. Um, and even though we lost some ancillary pieces, and sure, we could have done a lot more with a lot more time and a lot more money, uh, we still got an incredible film out of it. I got someone here. Uh, quick question on the screenwriting. And uh, there are key words that you have to kind of follow the script, like protagonist, who the protagonist, and things of that sort. Do you have to write to make sure that you follow that script, or was that something that you kept in the mind as you were writing uh, you know, some of the, uh, a project or two, and you said, OK, I got to have this, I got to have that, so that it follows that normal line of uh, writing? So, so like the uh, vocabulary and the standard rules of like screenwriting, do you keep that in mind when you're writing? Is that the question kind of? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, definitely when, if, if you're working for the studios, for sure. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a kind of a, a way that movies get made, especially for, for mass audiences these days, where, you know, you just, to a certain extent, there is a, uh, there's, there's a checklist that you go through. So, you know, protagonist, antagonist. Uh, really what I find is, is important in, in when you're working in a more commercial sense is uh, you have to hit your, uh, your first, uh, second, and third act beats, you know? Um, I count by, uh, by, by uh, uh, 15 pages at a time. Um, you know, 15 pages in, you gotta have a sense of the suspense and try to get all your main characters introduced. By 30, you're at the end of the first act, so you're into the story. Uh, I'll skip a little bit, but you know, 60, there's a hang-up and a complication. By page 90, uh, all is lost. And then from 95 to 100 and 
15 or what, you know, however, however long your script is, uh, the good guys come back for the big win. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm definitely a little different. Uh, <laughs> I really kind of, when I write screenplay specifically, I really think image-based. I s think about what I would want to see on a screen and I sort of see what story would tie them together. Um, so I definitely think that I've learned all of those beats and those things and that's ingrained in like what I've grown up viewing and reading and learning and in school and in just in general life. But I think my approach is more like what sort of things do I want to see on a screen? And then writing a list of those images and then finding a way to make all of those pieces come together. Um, it's definitely a, like less structured and definitely can get a little in the weeds and complicated, but it definitely helps me write something that I'm excited to write about. And, and that's important, I should say. Yeah, like um, just because those are the rules doesn't mean that you necessarily have to follow them. It's just that, like, you know, if you need to fall back or you know you're worried about where you should be, you know, you can do that. But uh, what Jess says is important. You know, you have to be able to emotionally connect with what you're doing. And if that's not happening first, then you know, uh, take a beat, reset. Yeah, I think. That, I mean, I was just going to add on what you said because I think that's so important. If if what you're writing isn't something you want to see, you probably sh it's probably not right. Um, but uh, who's I have some? Oh, right here. Hi. Um, did you guys ever consider crowdfunding, or did you ever do it? And what is your opinion on stories about that? Crowdfunding. Did you ever do it? I like. Everybody that I would ask for money was always like broke, like me. So it was like I, I just kind of like, and, and 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 we were lucky, like you know, with DSLRs and stuff like that. Like in, anything that I ever needed to make, especially when I was younger, before I started doing the screenwriting thing, you know, I I could by and large kind of find a way to do it myself. And so I, I I never have nothing. Not that there's anything wrong with crowdfunding. You know, it's just that some people are good at it and some people are terrible, like me. You know. Um. So. One of my producers uh, hates crowdfunding more than anything. And like when we went in, I was like, okay, I have this much money, but that's, I, I mean, I'd love to get other people involved. I think it would be good publicity-wise. Like we should do a crowdfunding thing, right? And she was like, no, no way. I'm not going to do it. Um, her reasoning is more that it's not worth the complication and the timeline can get really complicated. So if you're really set on making something, it can like hold you up or hold you back. Um, but if that's a way in, I personally think like go for it. I think it's great for shorts. Like I think for a feature, it might drive you up a wall, but I think for shorts, it's a great way to create a community around a short. A lot of comedians that I know, like that's how they get their stuff made and it, it, I think it totally works. Um, and I think if you can really find a way to like create a crowdfunding campaign and then have a more community like in real life aspect to it, that's sort of like that's where the magic happens. So if you're filming somewhere and you can let the people know where you'd be filming, that there's a way for them to get involved monetarily, you know, professionally, that can create like a much more successful crowdfunding campaign because it's based in the community. It's based in something that's like much more real than the void of the internet. <laughs> from the indie world to the studio system, uh, like the transition and the adjustment that you had to make to make your workflow 
or is it your way of working, or is it the way of working? Adjusting from the indie to the studio system and your um, workflow. It, for, for me, it kind of happened uh, regardless of anything that I did. Uh, the, the 08 writer's strike, you know, it just kind of, um, independent films before 2008 were much different from the way that they were after that. And uh, so I was trying to make an a pre-2008 independent film um, in a post-2008 world. And so, and so basically, yeah, what happened is I, uh, I didn't get my movie off the ground. I feel like I keep revisiting this. I'm not trying to be so depressing, guys. Because like, I, once I got into screenwriting, everything became great. You know, I, I, I can pay for my mortgage. I'm married. I have a kid, you know. Um, but like, the, uh, the, the transition basically was that um, I had a, a script that didn't go. And uh, by this point, I had a manager. And um, he's always been very level-headed. And so what he said right around 2009 um, and I was, I was working at the Sunset Five and I was kind of tearing movie tickets and uh, he, I, I had written another script and he said, I think this is really good. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, what do you think? You know, can we make it? And I had a, attached myself as director and he goes, uh, he goes, well, he goes, I think I can get you some cash and I think I can, I can get you out of that, that garage that I was kind of living in at the time. And he, uh, and he just goes, but you know, what I think we should do is we should probably take your name off of it and uh, because a script can just go a lot further if there aren't attachments. And as a director, you know, it was just like there were bigger fish out there in the sea. And so we took that particular script uh, and uh, I didn't attach myself as a director. And then lo and behold, that was the script that sent me around Hollywood on the, uh, the water bottle tour is what they call it. It's when you first go around with a script that everybody's read and kind of likes. And so, uh, so it wound up being a really, really great thing because ever since then, I've been working consistently. And the, op and the, the advantage to being a screenwriter in this business is that, uh, you know, like you can tell three, four stories a year, you know, whereas one director signs onto a project that's two years of their life, you know? And so to a certain extent, screenwriting has a lot of benefits. You get to go a lot more places, you meet a lot more people. Your life tends to kind of be, you know, exciting in different ways than it would be as a director. And so I've just kind of been doing that ever since. And, and, and just to give you a happy ending about that particular script that I took my name off of, I actually just bought it back. And uh, we might make it. So, yeah. you know, yeah. So, like, that's the thing is that all things come around, you know. And, and, and it, it's just about, like, sometimes you don't have this opportunity, but there is something else over here that you can take. Um, don't, uh, you know, don't go down with the ship, you know. Uh, live and you know eat eat food and you know have a roof over your head you know do do all those things yeah. Back in the back with. How how do you guys do your revisions in your process? Um, I, I'm not super particular about it. Um, I, again, like get notes, write them all out. Uh, I ask people to give me page numbers when they give me notes because that's just like otherwise I'm going to get lost in it. Uh, and then I go from the top of the script to the bottom of the script. And I put on revisions mode and I have a lot of fun with the characters and that's what I do. <laughs> I've found that like in in, um, in in situations that are just like development situations, like you get hired and you're just gonna write a script and you know you're not on set like pulling your hair out, you know it's it's just like a job. Um, because I always think that my writing is better than the note that that, that I get because I'm, I'm selfish like that. <laughs> but you, you just kind of you know you hide that part of you, like. Uh, 
what I tend to do is um, if I'm really hating a particular set of notes, a good way to get into it or uh, uh, to at least start is um, I just actually go through and I do all the easy ones. <laughs> And, uh, and so I do all the easy ones and I just kind of like slowly but surely work my way into it. And then, you know, that, that 15 page stretch that you've got to, you know, scrap and do something different for, that usually winds up being the last thing that I do. But by then you're kind of like, you know, you've accepted it, you know, you've processed the pain and you go and continue, yeah. Uh, anybody? Oh, yeah. Um, so next to all of the commissions that you like, do you feel the sense of like anything for yourself? Yeah. And, and, and that's important, you know, uh, every year. You know, it's, it's like what Jess says, you know, if, if, if you're not actually happy with what you're doing and like, you know, for anybody who, you know, needs therapy, go to, th you know what I mean? Like taking, <laughs> taking yeah. care of yourself is, is one of the most important things you do. And, and, and uh, my, my wife is, is big for me because she tends to talk me down whatever cliff I'm standing on the edge of at the end of any day creatively, you know, mm -hmm. but like, making sure that like you're in good touch with your friends. You know, so I, I know some writers who are like, they're like, I'm working on something new and I wrote 28 pages today. And you're like, oh my God, like did, what, what did you write 28 pages of? You know, it's like, I stayed up all night and I didn't, you know, and, and you know, so fi find, find, make sure that you're finding yourself in the process. And, um, and then, yeah, and then between works for hire, you know, once, once that becomes a part of your life, just make sure, I, I, my rule is that I try to write one spec per year. And the spec is all me, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and that's that's kind of how I go about doing it. In the back. So with the writing for the studio in, in Hollywood, mm -hmm. um, when uh, why so many rewrites? I mean, because you're now involved with that. Why why is it so many rewrites they do? Because I have a partner who's same thing. Yeah. And they broke his script down nine times, and then the last, the final was about just where his first one was. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's it's weird because sometimes the first idea is is totally the best idea, and and, and um, the, the like it's it's crazy because if if enough people get involved in a project and everybody's got good intentions, you know what I mean, you can lead yourself in in bizarre circles. You know, um, I can tell you with um, like the the biggest example I have is the one that I just did, which 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 is. Fast and Furious, and the only reason why there were so many drafts, and I was rewriting on that every single day. I got that job in February 2018, and we're still kind of working on it because I'm doing ADR, and they're they're going to do a little bit of reshooting, and uh, and really the the reason why you wind up doing so many reshoots, I would say, is it it, it depends on uh, the budget and it depends on the amount of people, right? Yeah, a thousand percent. Same with ADR. Like we we had tiny bits of it. Uh, sometimes stuff doesn't cut together the way you thought it would. And so you need to add like a little off voice, like off camera voice or a thing. So I feel like that's where all the rewrites come in. Yeah, it's just people doing people stuff. The rewrites. Oh. You know, like them, like when, when like, I hear with, with studio. Yeah. They get, when, you know, like when you paid to be uh, hired to, to write the script. Yeah. Are they listening to like five different people while the script was being rewritten? Rewritten like, you know, six, seven different times, like changes and all that? Writer, yeah, and uh, I, I appreciate her work. So I'm just saying, in Hollywood, it seems like 
to listen. They let like five or six different people read it, and they have all input to make it to make them want to rewrite stuff. Is that true or no? Yeah, it, it just depends on bureaucracy. You know, so like to, you know, sometimes, and this this isn't you know me trying to throw dirt at anybody, but like sometimes you you wind up with certain producers that uh, that come on late, you know, and because say they bring some money to it, they have their own agenda for the project, and so you wind up kind of, you know, you wind up kind of taking care of notes for them, you know, and uh, uh, so, sometimes it has to do with. Um, if, if you have a, like, I, I, I wrote a, a script for a movie called Kin, and um, I developed that with the directors and a producer who was outside of the studio first, and the script that we wrote was, like, totally R-rated. Um, but then when we, when we went it out, when we went out, we kind of, you know, sold it around the town, and the directors went out with a pitch, and they gave the script, and so on and so forth. Um, where we wound up, which was Lionsgate, they were like, okay, but you know, can we pull back on some of this language? And do you have to explode so many people, you know, with your space gun at real conversations? And uh, and, and and you know, it just kind of happens, you know. So like, it's it's weird, you know. It, what, what you what you start with is never what you're going to wind up with. Something is going to change it along the way, whether it's location trouble, budget trouble, or, or you know just uh, people in politics. You know, it just it just kind of happens, and, and that's where that's where rewrites come from. Yeah. In the back. Yeah. Yeah. You know that's a great question. Um, it's sort of an interesting story. <laughs> um, uh, they didn't, actually. Yeah. Um, they asked me what it was about, and I told them what it was about, but then no one asked to read it. Um, and I would have given it to them if they asked, and we sent them, but who knows who if they actually read it. Um, you know, something that's really interesting, uh, like at least in my community where I'm from in Rochester, is that uh, very few people are attending Hebrew school, like when I attended Hebrew school. Like, I think there's a huge shift in the American Jewish parenting perspective. So they were just thrilled to have people in the synagogue, making something in the synagogue. And I think, uh, you know, the script I wrote is such a product of that experience of going to Sunday school three times a week, not just on Sunday, uh, mm -hmm. for most of my, you know, from, I don't know, preschool to the eighth grade. Uh, and wanting to tell that story that I'd never seen. And I think that excitement really convinced them. But another big part of it has to be that it's just the community in Rochester is shrinking. And they wanted something that would bring a little bit of life back to the synagogue. Hmm. I mean, when we were there, the construction that they were doing was to make the sanctuary that used to be this giant, gorgeous space on the second floor of the synagogue smaller, because it just feels too empty now. And so. That was like a big part of why they said yes to letting us film there. No. <laughs> yeah, they're waiting to see it in Rochester. They they knew it was about like burgeoning queer identity. That's what the movie's about. Um, and and Judaism and and being a teenager and death and grief and you know we talked to the the Hazan the the cantor there and we talked to the programming and we talked to the rabbi a little bit. He was a little busy with other rabbi things actually, so we didn't get to talk to him a ton. But people understood what they were being a part of. We weren't like hiding things, but people 
I think we're more excited at the prospect of us making something uh, than what the content was. And another big part of it was honestly, I think people were just like, what the hell is going on? Like, why Rochester? Why here? Like, why now? And I did that because it was my dream and also because uh, budget-wise, I mean, free location. <laughs> For, so, uh, but... Were, were there a lot of people who were there when you were going to school there? If it was the same place, so did you? Did you have kind of like a, a yeah? Bit of a help my with, my, my yeah. oldest sister actually teaches Hebrew school there, so okay. she was there. She was around. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and uh, and whoever uh, the, the this woman Deborah Zager who like runs like all of the like temple logistics is a really close family friend, so she mm. also sort of hooked us up and gave us the go ahead. And it was really nice. And the community was there. Like a lot of my Hebrew school teachers are still there. And like it's nice. But it was it was interesting to see how much the community has uh, has changed and how much smaller it is. So I think that was a big factor. Anybody else? Right here? All right, man. Yeah. About a little bit with the lawyers, um, entertainment lawyers, but are there any other tips for a writer that has material and looking for a manager? Um, yeah, I would say uh, the other thing to, to check out our uh, uh, screenwriting labs. I, I did uh, two two labs that were super helpful for me. I, I um, right after Slam Dance and Slam Dance kind of kicked off a really great year in 2007 where we took that film everywhere. We played something like 30, 40 festivals, and um, uh, we got a lot of, you know, kind of just like nice write-ups, you know, IndieWire and and uh, I don't think Variety touched us, but like, you know, like, it, you know, like all all the, we got a lot of, the the blog love was kind of nice, and and so I applied to the Sundance Screenwriter Labs, um, and I did those. That was a really really great process. There are managers and 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 agents and reps who kind of tend to just check in on the projects that come out of these these labs um I, another one that i would recommend that i did was the uh, i did the film independent uh screenwriters lab a couple years later um and uh it was it was also a really kind of great experience you know so check out labs the nickel fellowship you know agents and managers read uh you know from agents and managers do kind of check out all of these screenwriting competition competitions this one gets checked out you know so you never know um but like uh yeah competitions labs definitely do all that and then i don't know worst case scenario you know like query letters are, you know, everybody like makes fun of query letters, but like so few of them get sent out that you might actually get a response, you know, it, it happened for me getting internships when I was in grad school, you know, so um, yeah, that, I, would tr I would check out those things. Anybody have another, I, I actually had a question. Um, what I've noticed uh, in a lot of uh, times with my management and stuff like that, they always, they always ask you to do you know, a one page or, uh, you know, you know, you should really uh, work on a pitch. And, you know, as some of us as writers, I know, s maybe aren't the best at communicating and we're good at writing, you know. So what would you suggest to a writer who isn't necessarily that animated or good at communicating? How can they express themselves in like a one page or a pitch? Yeah. Or what do you guys do? Like, how would how would you approach that? Uh, I haven't had the chance to do any of that, but what I will say is that 
I, I live with, I live in Brooklyn. I live with four other people. Uh, Got to make it work somehow. You're always pitching. Yeah, I'm always <laughs> pitching. I have a lot of roommates. <laughs> We're all kind of crammed in there. Um, it's good. I used to live with seven people, so it's kind of an upgrade. But, um, <laughs> but. Uh, I've been told I'm not shy. I, I know I'm not shy. <laughs> uh, so I think the biggest thing is just feeling confident to talk about your work because you're excited about it. I think that is what will come the most naturally, just finding the elements that you're excited about and really gassing those ones up. <laughs> I'm, I'm like I'm like horrible socially, and and, and, and so and so I, I like I I have the opposite situation of, of Jess, and 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 um, uh, the one thing that I would say for pitching, if anybody here ever, you know, winds up in a room where it's like you have to spend 15 minutes to whatever impress somebody, and they maybe maybe make take hire you on or make your script or whatever it is. Um, I, I, I never, there are some people who have like a gift who can just run into rooms and be like, well, you know, do you like this? And, and they just <laughs> yeah. kind of like all of a sudden, and, and they're able to just barf out the entirety of their story like with perfect clarity. I get so in my head, um, it, you'd see I, I even kind of speak with a weird stutter, but like I'm, I'm constantly thinking, trying to think about what I'm going to say before I say it. And that's like the worst thing when you're pitching. And so um, I'll miss plot details, and I'll be like the guy who's like, oh, but remember back there when I said that one thing? But <laughs> the other thing is that there was this other guy who was coming around. And, and, and so um, if, if, if you're like that, um, I, I, I had like a high school theater background. That was the one thing that I kind of did in front of people. And so um, I'll go ahead and I'll actually type up my pitch. Um, but since dialogue is actually one of my strong suits, mm -hmm. I literally write a pitch that sounds like me talking. <laughs> and, and so it's, it starts as a document, it starts as the pitch, and then I just kind of like goof it up with all the stupid things that I, lot, lots of likes and uhs and ums. <laughs> and, and, um, but, I, but I make it much more focused. And, uh, and then what I'll do a day before I have to go into the office or wherever you're actually gonna do the pitch is um, I, uh, I throw it on an iPad, uh, turn it all up to like size 16 font so that you can see it, you know what I mean, like real easy. <laughs> and then I just, I say the pitch four times the day before. I do it one or t once or twice the day of, and then all of a sudden, you go into the pitch room, and I've got my iPad there, but I can like make eye contact and like be <laughs> witty and charming and like all these things. So like, whatever it, whatever you need to do yeah. to show up and kind of appear confident, right. that's the most important thing. So whether it's writing yourself a freaking one-act play, which yeah. is a lot of work, but it, it, it helps me. I mean, um, it's, it's great. Like, you, in theory, made yourself the actor for your piece. Exactly. You auditioned as well as pitched. And nobody ever knows. And they're yeah. like, Dan's such a good pitcher. Like, you know, like, <laughs> how's he coming? He's so natural and he's funny and he tells jokes. And you're like, no, I was working on that for so long, you know. <laughs> or if you have that ability to just kind of you know, some people are really yeah. gifted, you know, then, then just be you. Because that, that is the other thing yeah. is right. that um, all you're really trying to do is distill, you know, the idea itself. But moreover, you're also kind of just selling why this is so likable. And if they see that you love it, you know, they'll believe you and they'll love it too. So That's yeah. great. I, I, I absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, because I know it seems like nowadays so many projects, uh, are, when you're going into rooms now, they just, they're, you're selling yourself yeah. more than anything that I've noticed. Um, I have uh, everything's all about a personality and a vibe, and so I, I mean, at least the one piece of advice I give anyone is just be as authentic as you can, and that can never really go wrong usually. Mm -hmm. So, um, do I have any more questions or anything like that? 
Anything we didn't cover that you feel gypped on? <laughs> I've got, I've got one. Oh, look at that. Do you still, uh, would you say you struggle with imposter syndrome? And if so, or if you feel like you've overcome that, some tips for people who do struggle with imposter syndrome? Oh, I struggle with it terribly. I mean, it's really hard to feel legitimate when you're sort of in the bubble of indie filmmaking, you know? Uh, but I think what keeps me going is all the people that I work with and their faith in the project and their willingness to work on it with me. I think that's the best way to enmesh yourself in the community of people who are behind you and know that if they're all with you, you're all in it together and maybe you're all faking it and going wild and crazy, but at least you have other people with you. Yeah, like all, all the time, you know. <laughs> like the, the, the scariest was um, I, I just, just working on Fast and Furious 9. Anytime uh, uh, Vin had notes on the script, you know, you and you know, as, as a writer, you don't get your own trailer, so I'm, I'm there hanging out at the director's trailer, and the producer comes up, and he's like, hey, Vin has some thoughts for today's scene. You know, and you're like, you're like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> and, and you walk over, you know, and there's, and there's like, you know, I, I don't know if you guys are fans of these movies, but like, you know, there's, there's Vin Diesel dressed up like Dominic Toretto, you know, <laughs> and he's just like, arms, he's, you know, he's like, he's, he works out, and, and, uh, and there's like six or seven people surrounding him at all times, and they're like, okay, let's talk today about the scene that you're going to write for this movie that costs $300 million, you know, <laughs> like, the, 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 on, the only advice is just fake it, you know what I mean, just pretend that you know what you're doing, and, and just be, just, you know, and, and it, it, in, in your assertions, use love language so that you can always walk it back. You know, that's, that's, that's good, too, you know. And, um, and, and the truth is you're probably not giving yourself enough credit, you know. Yeah, yeah I was uh, Yeah, and, 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 you are, and, and, and you do deserve to be there, and that's, that's the thing that you should try to remember. Yeah, I mean, I was going to add, like, who says you don't know what you're doing? You know, that's kind of what keeps me and, going. And moreover, how many times have you been in a creative conversation with somebody and you're like, they don't know what they're talking about? Yeah. You know, right. like, that, that's, that's the other thing is that nobody, we're all flopping around like fish in the dark. That's, 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 the, that's the process, you know, and, and, and everybody has noble intentions and they're just trying to get you there. And so, yeah. Yeah, a thousand percent. Well, um, uh, yeah, I mean, like, from based on that, you know, I think, uh, from what I can tell, I know for me personally, the biggest part that has helped me stay afloat is having a strong support system and making sure that you allow yourself to accept that support when mm -hmm. you need it. Oh, yeah. Um, I know I see a lot of filmmakers go around and they get lost because they're so alone and isolated. Mm. And... Um, I don't know, that's the one thing that I love about here is that how supportive it is. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think you'll never feel like an imposter if you are surrounded by people that care about you and support what you're doing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, absolutely. So I think we're coming close to the end. I'd love to get you guys, if you had one last thought or anything that you feel these guys need to know about screenwriting and surviving. <laughs> or, uh -huh. Okay, I, I actually have one thing, but it's like it's it's super corny. Um, uh, I love corny. Uh, knowing the rules is important if you're going to break the rules, and so this is the only reason why I say it. Uh, I would just recommend a couple of books. Um, the The Screenwriter's Bible is fantastic in terms of just the the, the technical uh, aspect of screenwriting. So if you're looking for something like that, 
um, Save the Cat. Everybody makes fun of Save the Cat, but the thing, but the thing is, is that Sa Save the Cat will actually, if you wind up uh, in a ditch, you know what I mean, while you're trying to write your script and you're not really sure what you should do next, Save the Cat will at least get you ideas. Uh, and then uh, my favorite one is uh, uh, Making Movies by Sidney Lumet, who famously said that um, he feels like an imposter that every single day he walks onto set, he always felt like he was on the verge of being caught or found out, you know? Yeah. And so uh, so I'd recommend those books. Those are really good. Check those. Oh, and uh, Blink of an Eye by Walter Murch. It's it's weird how similar uh, the, the screenwriting profession and editing actually are, and, and uh, that's a really good book, too. Yeah. Uh, I have two things. Oh, there's a question. I think it was Walter Murch. Was it Walter Murch? Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. I have two things. Uh, one is if you're feeling really stuck or uninspired or anything, I really recommend uh, reading plays if you're going to make a screenplay, I, like theatrical plays. I just think there's a ton that you can learn from there. There's a lot of character work. There's a lot of incredible dialogue. So uh, just go for it. I know it might not feel like the thing to do. It might feel kind of antiquated or weird, but I feel like go for it. And I'm talking contemporary plays. I'm not, I mean, any play really, but <laughs> contemporary plays are great. Um, and then the second thing, uh, take care of yourself. Uh, like, drink a lot of water. If you <laughs> have a, a way to go to some sort of therapy, go to therapy. Uh, eat whole, good food. Uh, mm -hmm. And Stop to eat. Stop to eat, for yeah. sure. Um, and also just know that like, if I've learned anything, both writing this movie and then producing this movie and just being in the stretch of it, it's just like, you might think like, no, this can't happen, there's no way. The best thing you can do is ask somebody because people will surprise you with solutions all the time. You can be like, this thing happened and I'm freaking out, but if you tell somebody, like it doesn't all have to be on you. There's people in this world that wanna help you. I genuinely believe that, so just, Get out there and talk to people. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you guys both so much for this. Was, I, I had a great time. I learned a lot, and I really can't thank you enough. So. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah.